0: Alright, welcome one, welcome all to the Red Bulletin Podcast. I'm your host, Andreas Georges. We're talking to top performers in the world's adventure, sports, culture, innovation. Talking to them about their path to mastery, the hurdles that they had to overcome, the tips and tricks that made them better that hopefully you can take maybe and apply to your own lives. Today we got someone who harkens back to the, let's call them pre-Instagram days the days before social media open-sourced photography and nightlife photography in particular. We're talking today to Mark Cobra Snake Hunter. And if you were partying in the early 2000s, whether you were in LA, New York, or Sydney, or Paris, or London, I mean, he, he got flown everywhere. Uh, the next day, you want to go to Cobra Snake's website, If you weren't there, you wanted to see what you missed out on. If you were there, you wanted to see if he shot you, if if he captured you. He was a bit of a kingmaker for a while, um, pushing uh, talents to the fore, booking them, uh, commercial gigs. Uh, He's a hustler. Uh, He's a great, great energy. He's a guy who can talk about the value of doing it yourself, the value of taking the initiative, and the value of not waiting in line. Uh, Recently, he made an interesting transition into uh, fitness motivator. So he went from nighttime to daytime and used his massive community that he had amassed in the uh, early 2000s. And instead of partying, motivating them to get up and do something and go out with him on uh, his various exploits around Los Angeles. Uh, He's a great guy. He's got a lot of interesting insight and uh, hope you dig it. So Mark, let's start with this, because what I find really interesting about your early work as Cobra Snake, as a photographer, is how vulnerable, uh, how you caught people in these vulnerable moments, um, how you establish a connection with them in probably like three seconds or less. Yeah. Why do you think you were able to do that?
1: Well, I think that, you know, at the time that I started photographing, it was a different time. There weren't cell phones with cameras that were great everyone was really having fun at those parties. And so I was there capturing true energy. It wasn't really even something that I had to create. It was people actually dancing, people, you know, jumping on each other, all sweating, all that natural stuff that um, was just so fun to take pictures of. And the flash sort of just would elevate that moment. And they'd see the flash and it would just go off and it would just turn into this sort of like storm and snowball. And, uh, you know the confidence that I would exude and show when I would photograph people because I'm this fun, lovable guy, it it kind of just added to that. I wasn't like really serious and like, Hey, look like this and moody. I was always hyper and just excitable because again, I'm living through these people. Like my life is fun and exciting, but those people were really like living life. Like I I've been sober for a long time. Um, you know, and, and part of that was just that I can, Feed off of everybody else's energy.
0: How old were you when he started photographing?
1: I was, I actually grew up in Santa Monica. Okay. I'm an alum of Santa Monica High School. We can get into something else the, funny about the that with, um, well, the Vikings, but then this uh, this fun guy that's working for Trump, Stephen Miller, um, and I were running in the elections together, and it was a, a whole. You
0: were the opposing candidate? I wasn't. Ex-
1: Mill- it was a fake news slash weird. Uh, mess up I was running for a different position okay I was vice president he was running for speaker of the house or something
0: and this is Steve Miller who eventually got a he he caused some furor in the Trump administration he was like one of the guys at the very beginning right
1: yeah Um, and actually when that there was an article that came out about that I got like more people messaging me about that than when it's my birthday or anything because it was a really big deal so I I felt really relevant for a a minute (laughs) um but yeah so I was I was passionate about photography in high school I, I was always this goofy kid with, like, long hair, and I still dress the same today, just, like, weird clothes. But uh, the thing was is that I wanted to be creative, and I tried to do music, but I sucked. Like, I played the stand-up bass, and I couldn't do it. Like, my rhythm wasn't good, and I wasn't coordinated. So I wasn't great at sports, and I found that I was good at taking pictures. And I spent hours and hours in the dark room, which was... a, a you know, kind of really nice meditative time for me to just print my own black and white photos. And I said, this is so cool. But again, I don't know how I could really turn this into anything.
0: What were you shooting at that point? It was the
1: complete opposite of, of Cobra Snake. It was like the traditional high school photographer, bro. It was like pictures of a building, like a still life of like the inside of a motorcycle, like carriage. Yeah. Um, you know, just stuff that, you know, the photo uh, teacher would sort of Suggest right, um, and
0: black and white and very just artsy. But what attracted you about it? Um, was I, it those moments in the dark room after, almost? I, or
1: well, it... it was. It was one. It was just that I actually thought that I was good at it um, because I knew how to uh, compose the images and also expose for everything. And I learned the the hard way on film, you know, pre digital. And when I was able to sort of develop my style and shooting it it, and then going into the nightclubs, I had this traditional background. So it wasn't like I, I dumbed it down to shoot in the nightclubs. Everyone always used to rag on me saying this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He he's, he's a hack or whatever. He's just hype. Uh, But I had a a traditional photo background. I just sort of marketed it in a way that was a bit more, you know,
0: fluffy. How very savvy of you.
1: I I mean, it it was, it was really, uh, I owe a lot, because as soon as I got out of high school, I went to Santa Monica College, you know, big, big hopes and dreams. And uh, and then kind of a year, a year into doing that, it wasn't working so much. And I, I was uh, interning for Shepherd Fairey, uh, Obey Giant. Right. Yeah, and street um, artist, yeah. yeah. And so I was his uh, sort of. Our, uh, assistant for, for almost two and a half years, um, just out of high school. And, and this was like the most insane opportunity for me because I was a huge fanboy. Again, this was pre like street art explosion, like you know, pre, um, Banksy and all that exit through the gift shop, yeah, you know? Uh, you. and so I was like a OG fan of, of his work. And, um,
0: How'd you, how'd you get a gig with him?
1: Part of his whole thing was like, you could order sort of a self-addressed stamped envelope street art kit. And you sent him like five bucks and he would send you a bunch of stickers and a poster. And I actually went out around Santa Monica and and made my own posters and wheat paste and put up his art. And I took all these photos of it. And one of the things that I did that was the most memorable and actually got me the gig was I I created a um, sort of totem pole for lack of better words it was like an old store display that I had found and I put his posters all around it and I put it in the middle of the third street promenade and I just let it sit there all day you know this was again pre-social media so it was kind of confusing it looked like an art piece and I, I shot people interacting with it and I sent him all these four by six photos I developed at the drugstore and a month later went to his uh, studio and said, I was that kid that made that thing. And he's like, dude, that was wild.
0: And that's it. Did you do it with the intention of getting a gig or did you do it just because? I just
1: wanted to meet him. I wasn't even, right.
0: I didn't even know what would happen.
1: But yeah. again, like I've, I've had such an amazing ability to, 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 just be in the right place in the right time and even with my photography which we can talk about it really is just like I, I'm blessed somehow and right. very lucky and and so meeting him and coming in a different direction like I was just into his street art I wasn't trying to be a graphic designer in his studio I wasn't trying to compete with him as an artist I just wanted to support what he was about and, and it was uh, maybe he's in between uh, assistance and it kind yeah. of just all fell into place
0: What's so interesting about him is he he very early on understood the power of fans like yeah. yourself, right, and and how to activate uh, fans on his behalf, but also empower them. Uh, what what kind of things were you learning from him while you were there?
1: Well, I mean, it was really the the that street team mentality, you know, and putting up his images, uh, it, it created this allure and in, intrigue. And so then when I started. My own career, I I developed a lot of those same things. So it was like I was putting stickers everywhere I went. I basically was able to create the Cobra Snake brand um, overnight because the time I would go to New York... It wouldn't be just going to shoot a party. It would be staying up all night, stickering the town, and being at the right places. And it's it's really like uh, something I learned from him too. It's like you don't have to put stickers everywhere. It just has to be strategic. So right. it has to be at that coffee shop and outside of that rock venue and at this record store. And you're like that thing is everywhere.
0: Which man, it's hard to know before the ages of social me- before the age of social media, right? Like yeah. that that information wasn't at your fingertips no, necessarily.
1: And, and and I think that the thing that was also really special about the time that I got into this was that it was pre even MySpace, right. and so the 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 blog didn't really exist as it did in the 2000s. So I, I was like early on in making a blog, which was the most rudimental thing. Part of again something that I is one of my philosophies is you don't want to have to wait for somebody else to do something. So. I figured out how to do my own website. I didn't want to have to ask my friend, oh, well, how do I upload these photos and then wait for him to do it? And then he would be lazy or busy. So I was very self-sufficient in in everything I did because I didn't want to have to ask questions or ask for permission. I always, like, still, I would sneak into concerts and I would do all these things that were, were maybe not appropriate, but I was there contributing in a way with my photography.
0: That's interesting. Do you place a high value on figuring stuff out for yourself?
1: I place a high value on, on the fact that like, if you're, I I hate to say like, I'm the line cutter, but like, you know, I always cut lines when I can and I'm not, I'm not better than anybody. It's just that I I don't have the patience, you know? And, and the thing is, is that, and again, I shouldn't, it's like terrible to cut the line, but I do it.
0: (laughs) We're not not judging you right now. And in the
1: same way, it's like when I didn't, take the traditional path and go to college and then become, you know, spend four years like learning about something that I wasn't that excited about. I went straight into work and I did it in a non-traditional way. Um, it was because again, like I didn't want to follow the, that road.
0: Right. Was there a moment where you defined your ambition?
1: I would say that it was when I was able to turn, like, what was a hobby, and, like, I, I used to say I would get paid, I-, I would pay to go to concerts, and then I got paid to go to the concerts. Right. And so that was special, you know, because it was like, I love music, and I would, I would go to these shows at the Troubadour, and back then you had to fax in your order for the tickets. And yeah. they- It was, like, crazy, and I have-, I have scans
0: of these faxes. You know what's crazy is that's only, like, 15 years ago.
1: I, I know, a uh, lot has changed. Yeah. No, but yeah. I mean, the fa- I didn't even have a fax machine. I would like go to Kinko's and I'd say, right. I want four tickets for like, you know, uh, the yeah, yeah, yeahs. Yeah. And, and another thing that was a bit, you know, resourceful in my way is I would buy four tickets. I only needed two and then I would scalp the other two to right. pay for the other two. Right. So, or pay for all of them. So I was always sort of like doing... Little uh, hustles,
0: little hustles. Yeah, is that does that come from your parents or something? Um, or do, you, do you have like an entrepreneurial parental background, or is that- uh, yeah,
1: I'd say my I, my dad was definitely always always that way, and, yeah. and sort of instilled that in me. I uh, come from a Jewish family, so we've always been very like good with with saving money and being resourceful in that way. Right, right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, and the type of photography you were doing at the time, how did you? What what kind of how would you describe the the kind of early work that you're doing?
1: Uh, It was very documentary because when I would when I would work with Shepard, he would have art shows at his gallery and I would be the one shooting like the opening party. Yeah. And then I would travel with him to, uh, you know, a different city and he would have an opening and I'd take pictures there. So I was really just sort of his personal photographer at the time. Yeah, And then I would go out to these nightclubs or or concerts and shoot them in a very traditional way. But part of what I knew was it wasn't, it was two things. It was like, if I, if I pushed myself to the front of the venue to shoot photos of the bands, I was really one of the only guys there for the whole set, because even if there was press, they would be there for a couple songs and they might not even be in the front because they're like old and didn't care. I was like the guy, the fan in the front row. I would get people that would like tap me on the shoulder, being like, "Dude, you're getting epic photos." I don't bring a camera because this is 2003. Like, can, I don't have a phone. Can you like send me those photos? And so that's what really sort of channeled like the popularity of the website was that there was like the actual individual person meeting me, being like, "I see what you're doing on the back of your screen, and you're getting those epic moments, and I want those, you know, on on the internet." And then I I said, well why don't I take a picture of you guys? And then that would also be on there. Right. And so it turned into not just the photos of the band because it wasn't just about that. It was about painting a picture of the sort of the whole night. Yeah. And so I would try to tell a story from like A to Z. So if I was meeting up with friends beforehand and then going to the venue and then what happens after.
0: All right. I, I want to take this moment because we, we asked some people to call in with some questions uh, yeah. when we told them that that you were going to be on. So uh, maybe Jane, first name. What do you say, man? You want to you want to spin one?
1: Hey, Mark. Um, there's no doubt that you've made a name for yourself within your industry. I was wondering when uh, did you know that you had something unique and what do you think that thing is? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, I
0: know. I'm kind of <laughs> jealous of it, actually.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Um, thank you. And you sound cute, uh, whoever you are. Um, and guys, I, I'm i sadly currently single, so DM <laughs> just, me. Just FYI, yeah. DM me on um, Insta. But uh, And I have a plug at Red Bull if you guys like sugar-free Red Bull. Um, but uh, no, okay, so I think that the thing that was really exciting for me is that the people that I was sort of admiring within... The music world and art world, um, they admired me back, and so it would be like again. I'm referencing these bands because it was of the time. Like the Yeah, yeah Yeahs, messaged me days after the show saying these are great photos we want to put them on our website and you guys you should come to the music video set that we're filming right now with spike jones and i was then i went and shot that you know and it was just like the the validation of that like instantly just made me feel like i was contributing to this in some way right right. um
0: so it was recognition from established artists that you were doing good work essentially that was and again
1: i was like 19 at the time and i was just a punk kid and and the fact that you know a, a lot of notable people at the time were always you know scratching my back and inviting me places uh and then i think getting getting paid and even it wasn't a lot of money just some money for the photos uh made a a big sort of uh uh importance because it, it set a value on what i was doing
0: right but how do you – so those relationships are are important, but they're also somewhat precarious, I'd imagine, in that, right? You're yeah. useful for a minute, and then they're on to the next thing. Um, was there a learning process for you navigating that world?
1: I mean, I think that the the exciting thing is that there's always going to be – I think that I built my website at the time on the content. didn't matter what it was. It was just good. And so if it was photos of a, a hot buzz band, even like the darkness, I don't know if people, these are our throwbacks, you know, the darkness and yes. Wolf Mother. Yeah, the
0: darkness was the, uh, like, the, the glamour, I like the, thing called yeah, love. the like, mid-80s vibe, <laughs> yeah. like, super glamour. Hair metal hair, hair kind hair of thing. Hair metal.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but... You know, that was the hottest thing at the time or the vines or all all these things. And I just would always have content of the coolest things. And if it happened to be some random house party, that was also very cool. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't celebrity driven, even though there would be celebrities in the photos. And I think that was what was so unique. I treated everybody equally because, again, the success wasn't based on who was in the pictures.
0: Right, right. So it was it was more about getting the best shot. Yeah. And who were your mentors, by the way? Who were the guys you were looking up to?
1: Um, I mean, I, I loved uh Patrick McMullen's work in the eighties. He has a book called So Eighties that I like would page through all the time, uh, just these epic black and white photos from Studio 54. Right. Um, in that sort of just glamorous party lifestyle. And then more more recent stuff would be like Everyone Loves Terry Richardson and Jurgen Teller and um Martin Parr is really yeah, cool. Yeah, of
0: course the British photographer. Yeah. Was was the goal to, to attain their their level of success at one point? Um
1: I, I now again with the way that I had a website called the Cobra Snake and not Markhunterphotography.com. <laughs> right. Um I kind of already sort of pivoted in a way that I don't know if I could ever make it back into a fine art thing, at least, you know, until I'm maybe dead, you know. <laughs> um, so I think that the photos and my archive is insanely ripe, and and I've been slowly, slowly, slowly working on a coffee table book of the two thousands because it's such an interesting time and so much has come from that. Um, but turning it on its head into fine art, I would probably do it again in a way that was a bit more cobra snake versus right. you know traditional.
0: What was it about that time that you think that that you found so fascinating? Uh, probably both back then, but also now in retrospect.
1: I think that it it was a again, a really fresh, fresh experimental time. You know, you had things like, we had, we had this party with Steve Aoki at Cinespace every Tuesday, and the the coolest bands played there. And, and you know, over the years, it was everything from, like, Lady Gaga performed one of her early shows, like, in some very homemade costume. You know, and the, the fact that stuff like that will never happen again. Or we had a Sunday night party with all these DJs, um started with DJ AM and th- th- those DJs f- couldn't be in the same room anymore just because of how famous they are and you know how um how evolved their careers have become so I think it was like a very early time for many people yeah. that have now become very successful
0: and, and you just wanted to be part of the cultural zeitgeist it felt like
1: yeah and it was sort of you know it was great because actually in the red bulletin a few issues back, I did a great piece and I was stoked on that.
0: Shout out. Thanks Thanks for that. (laughs) We
1: we talked about um, how, you know, uh, I'm not putting that much of an importance on it, but it was like the times that like the Guns N' Roses shows would be on the Sunset Strip, you know, in the 2000s, it was like the early Steve Aoki shows. And now he's playing to huge, you know, mass people. So it was just a different era and it was a cool time to say that I was there. Um, But you were
0: more than just there. That's the interesting thing, is that you actually, you were were helping to shape people's perception of it and memory of it, even. Yeah,
1: and that was what was quite sort of a, a funny responsibility, because, again not putting so much importance, but there was an Instagram. So something like my website was the version of Instagram. And if you wanted to see what was going on in the culture, that's where you would look. But I was the one that was curating that. It wasn't done by millions of people like Instagram. So the fact was that if you looked at what I put on there, it was my perspective. So I could help popularize certain things. And, and that was sort of what was really fun for me is that I could work with brands and in all, in all sort of categories to help shape the culture.
0: As you started to work with brands, was there a moment that you had to cave into maybe their demands? Like, how did you, how did you walk that line? Because you had such a unique photographic point of view, um, Were you insistent on keeping that? 100%. Like
1: the thing is, is that the reason that the brand, this was what was like a blessing is that the reasons the brands even wanted to work with me is because I created a brand and it was a strong brand and I didn't have money, you know, and they wanted that sort of audience. And so the fact is they had to trust me and it was great because I I could basically tell them what I thought was right. And it would be from product placement, but in the most organic way. Again, pre-Instagram like hashtag ad, it was the fact that a girl would be dancing in the middle of the party with a Red Bull can in her hand because that was the true essence of what was right for that brand. Right. Or she was also wearing, you know, an Adidas crop top. And she happened to be, you know having uh this brand of headphones around her neck or the T Mobile sidekick. Right. Back in the day. Yeah. Might have
0: taking us back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh you know, it might be time for another one. First name, let's let's uh let's run another one. I think we got I think we got two today. So cool. Yeah. As you pause, very, very uh very nice. I'm getting hyped up shot. on the I know. Uh, Summer Edition Red Bull. Uh hi. My question is for Mark. That's me. Uh, I wanted to know, at what point did you know that you were playing
1: God with the future of these people's lives that you photographed?
0: Um, is that is that fair? Is that a fair assessment? Well, it was
1: kind of a little bit of what I touched on before. I knew this and I felt a great responsibility because, again, I could travel from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia to Tokyo and see similar fashion trends. But then again, there was magazines existing and very few blogs. And I knew that it was from my photography that it inspired sort of a a global fashion market. And uh, it was cool because I would again be able to play into that. And the fact that I could photograph a girl in the middle of harajuku in a cobra snake shirt it made it that much more larger than life to the person in australia or yeah. to the person in europe yeah and uh, again i'm i was so lucky and blessed to be able to do the amount of travel i did so young i wish you know back to when you're asking me a little bit about like what I could have done better. I wish I could have harnessed it a little bit more because again, I feel like I quote unquote peaked in 07 or something and it's 10 years later and I'm still riding that wave. But I probably could have done a few things differently. And everyone like you should have sort of developed Instagram or you could have been on a social media platform, but it wasn't really...
0: You know. I mean, it's interesting because you were actually you were an influencer before that was really a term. Right. Yeah. And and the and nowadays, I mean, back when you were doing it, it was unique because it wasn't so spread out. Right. And yeah. so Instagram has made influencers of thousands of people, tens of thousands, literally. So it's it's it. It, what's interesting about the way you developed your career is that you instead of doing instead of just doing like you said markhunterphotography.com like the traditional like route yeah. you were kind of entrepreneurial at the same time as you were developing your your photo skills um, do you feel like you were leaning one way or the other do you feel like your natural uh, skill is at one or another
1: well i think that part of it was that i also always wanted to support other cool people and so there was all these it girls that came out of my photography because it would be people that I thought had a really unique perspective and fashion sense. And then they end up on magazine covers a year later, just due to the hype that I would grow them. Um, In terms of what I think I'm best at, it sucks because in most businesses, they say you should have this like sharp arrow and it's this sort of tight perspective of what you want to do. And I'm like the worst at that, uh, partly because I have A hard time focusing on just one thing. And so I'm quite excited about the business side of things. And in terms of like interacting with brands, especially because I respect brands, I think that there's so much that they do. And if, if they're smart, they can really target, you know, a consumer in a really special way. And then in terms of my photography, I love the fact that I got to take pictures of things that'll never happen again, you know, of people that were, you know, at a different stage in their life, and and it's such a special thing to look back. And I think what's going to be really exciting for me moving forward with those old photos is that you can you can show, you know, Katy Perry the early work that I did with her, and she's like, "Wow, look how what I where I am now," yeah. and to see how I used to be, you yeah, know. And yeah. and I have endless examples of that. And I'm sorry just to drop like a a superstar like that, but it's more that you know, even a young person that I met could be now an art director at some big brand. And he's like, dude, I ever used to party with you, you know, back in 20, 2004. And like, now I run this huge company. And it's so funny to see me just like in a, a hipster hoodie back yeah. then, you yeah. know? So there's, there's a lot of nostalgia in the archive. I
0: was going to say, you don't, you don't really look at it you don't look back at it with regret you don't look back at it as a that no,
1: should be you know, celebrated yeah absolutely yeah.
0: yet you pivoted yet yeah you try to and and so tell me about that point
1: well i think with my photography i was able to pivot in like a very uh positive way towards um a bit more commercial work and you know don't knock it because it's part of like the reality of of life so you know i i didn't sell out i'm just like buying in yeah you know and uh and you would do it too if you could uh <laughs> So I think I think the thing that was really cool is that there was a, a very unique style that I created that was this candid, fun energy, and then that worked really well for a lot of advertising brands. So I've done stuff, you know, for you know top ten brands, and it's just so cool for me to to get to interact on that level. Um, and then I also took a, a serious pivot with um, turning. You know, now I'm 32 now which people are like you're only 32 you should be like 45 right um and uh i i a few years ago just got obsessed with health and fitness and it was after just the longest run of my life touring you know for 10 years you know and again I, it wasn't glamorous it wasn't like i was flying business class everywhere and having posh hotels i was you know, roughing it. And I was sleeping on floors and, and couches, honestly, very punk rock. And I, I, you could see it on me. I was, I was out of shape and I was eating bad. And I was napping all the time and I was grumpy. And I was like, this is not right. I'm, I'm in my mid twenties and what's wrong with me? And, uh, it would, it was really a, just a, a spark. I said, I'm not going to take a nap right now. I'm going to run up Runyon Canyon, the most opposite thing, you know, the, from not exerting any energy to a lot of energy. And I struggled, but I did it, and I did it every day. And it, it's a, a close hike to my house. Um, if you don't live in L.A., you can you can just go for a jog. Um, but the thing is, is that it was a decision I made to sort of better my own
0: just life. Yeah. And um, how did you take that first step though? It's impo- it was-
1: it's like swimming upstream Yeah. that my whole, my whole career was also swimming upstream because it was again, non-traditional. I didn't, I didn't do things the way you're supposed to do things. And, um, the, the first step is always the hardest. They always say, you know, you're going to be, you know, sore. You won't be able to walk for multiple days if you're exerting yourself like that. But I just knew that I had to change. And, um, I think that part of what the first the first exciting thing was that people would notice that and they would say, "Oh, you're looking better. You're acting. You have a better attitude." All these things about you know positive things, and so it was a reinforcement on on the the hard work I was putting in.
0: Yeah, but w- at what point did you say, "Well, let's make a let's let's make a movement out of this," right? Let's. Uh...
1: Yeah, so I think that part of it was that I was. Uh, I felt great. And then I wanted to spread that message to other people. And this was when Instagram sort of was sort of taking, taking a uh, hold and I didn't really take it seriously with my photography. So I was just posting like random photos of me hiking with girls and called it Cobra fitness club. Uh, and that was still just on my normal Cobra Snake page. And then people were like, dude, stop posting those pictures. Like, you you got to show your work and your cool party photos. I don't want to see you hiking. Yeah. And so then I created Cobra Fitness Club uh, with the idea that, again, there's people that will respond to the Insanity Dude or the P90X guy or Beachbody and, you know, I'm not like them. So You're accessible. I, I was like the... I was coined the hipster Richard Simmons. Um, <laughs> right. and I am honored because he's legendary. And the yeah. thought is that there's a lot of people that don't want, like, they just don't like being yelled at. Like I, I turned what I think, uh, I turned fitness fun and I made it more of like a party right, on right. the mountain right, or wherever we are. right. And, and part of that was just, yeah, I, I have this, this, um, you know, I have a, a legacy of, of partying. And I think that you can turn fitness into partying.
0: Fitness can day partying. Fitness is the new day party basically.
1: Yeah. Um, that could work. And you know, it it, seems to work, right? It it, it really
0: does. How many Uh, people come out?
1: Uh, I've had, you know, groups, uh, up to like 120 Yikes! and that was like insane for me. Almost hard to manage. And I I don't know (laughs) if I like that. Um, but, uh, but i think that there's a sweet spot around like 20 25 people max and it's really cool because again i'm sort of uh putting this invite out to a lot of cool people and then they become friends and and it's it's a nice place to meet um you know friends girlfriends boyfriends yeah. anything um other creative people other f- photographers like it's but a, you're
0: not like you're not a personal trainer
1: uh, I'm just like a hype man, I'd say, <laughs> uh, I don't have like a, f- a full certification, but I right. should probably get one another. I mean, it's amazing because Red Bull has like been in my life in so many different ways. Recently, there's a, a series, um, the hashtag yeah. and, um, they did a thing on health goth and then I, I'm in that. Um, oh right yeah so you could put a link under this that's actually not a bad idea about the health goth movement
0: but i I mean it seems like what what unifies everything is a search for am i right in thinking it's like a a search for community and a desire for community
1: yeah especially now where like myself and everyone uh we're all having an issue with, like, how do you meet people? You know, right. everyone's on their phone the whole whole day. Right. And then they're meeting people on apps for yeah. dating. Like, yeah. it's it's so different than it was before. And if you don't want to go to a bar, which can be, like, kind of depressing and dark and not really, like conducive to wholesomeness um something like a hike or meeting up at the beach um is like perfect yeah. you know and i think that's
0: like the most la thing i've ever heard <laughs> <Overheard>, <laughs> i can't believe you overheard
1: at la over overheard at, la at, at the red bull studios yeah
0: i mean that's because that's uh you know I, i've never heard someone disparage bars like that
1: well yeah. i've smelled like a bar until right. this day after right. being in them for so long but no i think i think that You know, you hear these magical stories of like, dude, I was like in in Venice and I was walking on the boardwalk and this girl rode by on her bike and she was stunning. You know, that's like the girl you want to meet. You don't want to meet the girl that's like passed out. In the booth <laughs> right. at two in the morning, but you
0: did for a while,
1: exactly. <laughs> right, but I'm telling you, that's not the way. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. Maybe when you're younger,
0: yeah. Uh, relationship advice from Mark Snake <laughs> Hunter: uh, How to find the one you want. Yeah, uh, how it, to it, find the true love. Yeah.
1: Then I looking. You know, I'm single, so it sucks.
0: Right. You know. Right. It, it, let's talk a little bit about Instagram because how was part of you kind of pivoting also the Instagram democratizing essentially what you did.
1: I mean. Instagram. I I was so reluctant to join Instagram uh, because I was on my own island at the time when the Cobra Snake website had huge traffic and it was like such a cool thing for me that I was like, why would I want to put my energy anywhere else? And it was a huge mistake, honestly, because I I'm yet to break a hundred k. Thank thankfully I'm verified somehow, which doesn't really do much for me. But um, I didn't really pivot as. Uh, gracefully as I should have because if I had just ported that that kind of user base straight to Instagram early on, I could have been one of those sort of more Vine star type dudes. Not me personally, but my work.
0: Would that have been a good thing?
1: Um, Only for the fact that it would have sort of been cool to be the OG that like was also the current G.
0: Right, right. Um, the guy who transitioned. Yeah. The guy who kind of started... Party photography
1: could have could I could have, been have like yeah. the
0: guy setting the the pace and the cadence of yeah. like this new world
1: and and so that's would be maybe one of the things that I could have done better. I think that there's plenty of other OG photographers that don't even really mess with Instagram or have a few thousand followers and they're still great and successful. Um, it just for me the fact that I also do appreciate brands and working on those kind of things. It would have been great to say, Oh, well, I have half a million followers and I can do XYZ yeah. you know, social media wise.
0: So what do you what do you want to do next? Like what where where is this leading for you? I'm not I mean, you're not a fully finished product at 32. You no. Know, your life can take so many different things. But what are the things what are some of the things that you um, were able to enjoy in your early life as a party photographer? Um and and you know really growing as a photographer that you want to continue like what are some of the the, the values that you want to like carry on into whatever you do next
1: I really want and I, it's I have to remind myself every day to get back to the point where it was like I was more the line cutter it's a it's a swimming upstream it takes a lot of effort and I don't do it as much as I used to and I think it's one of those things you wouldn't want to take risks you
0: know I was so risky early on. But it sounds like you you feel like you've gotten too complacent.
1: I I want to get risky again. I want to I want to like live that that early 20 uh, 20s life, not so much just what I was doing but just with that mentality that like I never asked questions, I never I just did things like I made the most random t-shirts. I I just would spend money on 100,000 stickers and put them everywhere. Yeah. Like stupid things that I don't do anymore.
0: And I, I miss those. Oh, what did that give you specifically? Nothing
1: specially. Uh, I I would think uh it's just that uh that I don't know, it's kind of a um It's an energy. Yeah. And and then to see what it can turn into. Um and, and I think investing in myself is like the best thing I can do. Right. Um but in terms of like future things, it's like I, I'm I'm it's a it's like the uh, somebody else, Casey Hill, who is a, a dear friend, she released her album and then she said it was like the biggest shit she ever took, you know, because it took so many years to come up with this album. And I feel, Elegantly that, put. I feel that way about my like photo book because the 2000s is like the ripest it's going to be in a long time. Yeah. And I have a huge archive of epic photos that I need to get like in a book. And so I'm constipated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better uh, note to end on than that. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. Epic epic podcast. Yeah, it was epic. Thank you. Thank you, Cobra Snake. That was fantastic. What a nice guy. He also gave us some stickers. This has been the Red Bulletin Podcast. Oh, also... Thanks to our callers who called in. Uh, It's going to be a new feature we're introducing bit by bit. Uh, You can hit us up on our Facebook page, and uh, we're going to have a number for you soon to call in. We'd love for you guys to call in. And we'll use your thoughts and your questions as uh, conversation starters with our upcoming guests. Thanks to First Name James, the First Name Podcasting, our engineer, our producers, T. Rizza, Ryan Turbo, the Thurban, the Thurban Turbo. We got all kinds of names for him. Unique Monique, of course. Thank you very much. Nicole, don't call me Steve Buscemi, uh, who's made a nice little social video around Mark and some of his uh, greatest photography and his own comments on that, including one of Kanye West, which is pretty funny. Uh, Head on to Facebook to check that out, and we'll see you next time.